Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Um, but we're going to Psalms 91. This is going to be a little bit shorter service today because we don't have worship and all the extras. Um, we're going to try and wrap up here about 1130. So, um, but we want to get the word in you and the word is important. Thank God there's no distance in the spirit. Um, and thank God, like right now, I still sense the anointing to do what I'm supposed to do, even though uh, you're not all here with us. So I'm very grateful for that. He's God's so good to us. He's so gracious. So we're going to continue in our series here. Uh, called The Secret Place. And we're talking about Psalms 91. And if you want, you can open up where you're at to, in your Bibles to Psalms 91 um, and follow along there. Um, but in thinking about this and looking at this uh, passage of Scripture and thinking about what the Lord had led us into even before all of this stuff took place, I'm so thankful to the Lord that he led us through the different series that we have. And if if you're watching and you, you're not aware of those series, maybe you're a new viewer, you can go to our website, faithfamilybillings.com, and you can see under the sermons tab, all of our messages are available. They're categorized by a series, but then also individually if you want to look. But I was thinking about the Lord brought us through that series on the blood covenant. What a great time to know what we have in the blood covenant, what we possess in the blood, our covenant rights with our father. When we go to him, when we pray, when we when we step into that place in the spirit, the secret place, and we begin to talk to the father, we have a legal right to talk to him in a legal script that is ours called the Bible, the Holy Bible. But then also on the mercy seat in heaven, we have the blood of Jesus that is across that mercy seat that is declaring righteousness for every believer. And since we know that, we know more, uh, even though they had a covenant in, in David's day with Psalms 91, we have a better covenant with better promises. And we've talked about different things concerning this Psalms 91, but just thinking about the prophetic words that have been given to, to this church and to the body of Christ as a whole, and thinking about the different messages that the Lord has had us feed on from His Word, um, in understanding even what his will is, that he's not the author of evil. He's the author of life. He's the author of uh, life and life more abundantly, that it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not God that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In thinking about all these things, I just, I just think, Lord, thank you for doing and preparing us in advance. We are a spirit-filled church that has the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, uh, the scripture declares through Jesus that the Holy Spirit shows us things to come. So we don't need to be caught off guard because we have a prayer life. We have a fellowship with the Father and we know Him. We have a faith family. We have ministry gifts that are in place that are declaring truth. And God is working in all these areas. And we've been looking at Psalms 91. And I'm going to go there right now. i got to scroll down here in my message. Um, to get to it, but I just want to declare this or just read it over and you can where you're at, just take a look at it there and then we'll get into the principles of fellowship on how to remain in that secret place. Uh, Psalms 91 one says this, and he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I often think about that scripture in second Corinthians five. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new and all things are of God. In other words, not only in the Old Testament, you know, they had an outside, God outside minded. But in the new covenant, we do have God outside us, but we have God within us because we know he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But we also know that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. And that spirit quickens and makes alive our mortal body. We not only dwell in the secret place, but that secret place dwells in us. Praise the Lord. I mean, how, how grateful we, we can be that there is a hedge of protection around us, but there is a resurrection within us that conquered every virus that exists on the planet. And so I'm so thankful for that. But he who dwells in that secret place abides under the shadow of the Almighty. It says this, I will say of the Lord. And this is where we've been sitting. He is our refuge and our fortress. He is our God. You know, you need to make that personal. He's my God. He's not just everybody's God. I'm thankful that we have the church and he's He's the church's God, but he's my God. He doesn't just deliver the church. He delivers me. 
and we have to make it personal. He delivers my family. I put my trust in him for my family. I put my trust in him for my church. I put my trust in him for my business. I put my trust in him for everything. In him, and I love this, and we need to emphasize this. I think sometimes we just read over it. David says this, I will trust. In other words, faith is a decision of the will. So I will not fear. I love this about this passage. He says, surely, verse 3, he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings... Uh, You shall take refuge. His truth shall be our shield and buckler. We shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. You know, I just sense this in my heart. Maybe you're at home and you're a parent and you're, you feel the fear of different things going on and, and you see it and maybe your kids have responded to it. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they've asked you questions. Maybe they haven't. Um, I, I don't know concerning the coronavirus, but I just felt this. Sometimes parents have this, uh, uh, and actually I should just say this, not only parents, but everybody in general to a degree, but I felt this specifically for parents. Sometimes you feel like you don't have an answer to the question. Like your child will bring you a question, and we'll just say it's concerning this specifically as far as fear concerning coronavirus, the government shutdown of certain things, and you don't know what to say. Well, don't. I would encourage you with this. Don't just say what you emotionally feel or what you think. Take your children back to Psalms 91. Sit down, open your Bible, and show them what God said. And instill that into them. Don't just... um don't just try to give even even what you might think are just general comforting words. The the faith comes by hearing. And and what you're doing when you go back to the word and you put it before um your children, you say, see, read this, see, we can put our trust in God. And, and we don't have to be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Uh, what is happening is, is that you're assisting in the transformation of your child's thinking. In other words, you're not supposed to be conformed to this world. You're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you're assisting in transforming your child's thinking. And then also what takes place when your child looks, whether they can read or if they can read, make them read it uh, themselves, what takes place in that moment? Their faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you 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 have this... Um, this opportunity and God in a, in a child's heart. I mean, the Lord told us adults, we need to have childlike hearts to enter the kingdom. So child, a child physically is a natural believer anyway. And so when you put the proper thing in them, then later on in life, you'll reap a double harvest in your life because when your grandma and grandpa and your child has learned the word and then they they grow up and have kids and teach their child the word. And then from generation to generation, there's the increase of the word of God and the glory of God as we're believing for. So just as a, as a, a connecting point there for you and for your, for your family and your kids, do that. Also, and I had this thought come to me while I was saying that, do it with your coworkers. Do it with your Facebook page. Do it with your Instagram. Do it with Twitter. Do it with, uh, um, you know, in the grocery store when you're around other people and they're talking about fear. Don't just jump into the fear with them. Declare, I've not been given the spirit of fear. Uh, I've been given a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And it's not that we don't, we're denying that the fear is there or pretending like the issues are not there. It's that we're responding to the spiritual force behind them with the spiritual force that is within us. And light always expels darkness. It's an opportunity to use our faith. So we'll not be afraid. We'll not be afraid of, verse 6, the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. You know, just to give a little perspective here, I have never experienced in my life a thousand or 10,000 dying right next to me, ever. 
And just to give a little more perspective here, you know, uh, in the news media right now, and we're, uh, you know, we're not the news media, but they're, they're, they're announcing and uh, declaring every single case of coronavirus. Have you ever stopped to think about what if they announced every time somebody died in the earth? I mean, you, they wouldn't, I mean, they'd be able to keep up with it, I'm sure, but there's something like, Around uh, between 100 and 115,000 people die a day, statistically. Just to give you a little bit of perspective. But when you are totally engrossed in what the news media is saying, and you're watching and you're tallying every time something happens, it feels like that's all that's happening. You do realize this, um, that there are, I think, double that of births or somewhere in there of births every day. One thing as believers we need to, to, to deal with in ourselves and deal with, with the scripture and allow the scripture to deal with us within us is the fact that you are not going to live on this earth forever unless the Lord returns. And even then we're going to get a new heavens and a new earth. But unless the Lord, so you need to realize and face the fact that your physical body is going to die. And most of us live in the world with a, uh, most people live in a world, uh, in a world, in the world with a mentality of, I'm, I, they don't even think about the fact that they could die. And I'm not saying we should worry about it, but we got to realize that this is a temporary thing we're doing here. And that when we have been born again, the scripture actually says we've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. So if you have a steady harassing around you of of a thought of, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, you're going to die, then you need to start declaring, I've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. I've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. I know of people that long before, um, or situations of, of people and, and different situations that I've heard of, of people long before the coronavirus was ever around that were afraid to drive their car places. Afraid to go, uh, uh, fly somewhere. Afraid to, to, to go to work. Afraid to, you know, all these different things. And really as believers, we're called to live in a place of fearlessness. And people need to, there needs to be a healthy dealing with the question of what if I die? Well, if you're born again, you go to heaven. That's the worst that can happen to you. <laughs> so, and the scripture says to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, sometimes as believers, maybe we should change what we say. You know, people say, well, I lost that person. Not if they went to heaven. And it wasn't a loss. It was a gain because they gained heaven. And so that's something to, to keep yourself balanced in your thinking and in your mind. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, unbelievers and atheists, they mock me. They they make fun of me for my faith. Well, let them mock. So why are you even thinking about those things? The the most of the news media, most of the uh, uh, those that are on that are, are what we consider famous and things like that in in public f- figures, most of them do not carry the same level of faith that we do as the church. And we're not called to follow them. And so we should not give them a place of influence in our lives um, in, in at that level. So a thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand. I love this bold statement, but it shall not come near you. So when you have fellowship, which is what we're talking about with the Lord, you can make radical statements like that and live through pandemics. And live through them. I was thinking about, uh, I heard a message uh, the other day that they were, the minister was sharing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They lived through nuclear war. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to describe, you know, because they were thrown into a fiery furnace that killed the two soldiers that got too close. I mean, that thing was hot. And they were thrown into the midst of it and lived. Why? Because the Son of God was with them. They had faith. They believed, and that's what we need to do as well. Verse 8 says, only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked. But that what we see should not cause us to fear. And then verse 9 says, Because we have made the Lord who is our refuge, even the Most High, our dwelling place, no evil shall befall us, nor shall any plague come near our dwelling. 
For he shall give his angels charge over us to keep us in all their ways, in all our ways. In their hands they bear us up lest we dash our foot against a stone. I don't know about you, but we're always borne up by angels. We're always led by the Holy Spirit. We tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent we trample underfoot. And then the Lord's word to us in verse 14, because we have set our love upon him, therefore he will deliver us. He will set us on high because we have known his name. He shall call upon us and we will answer him. He will be, or he will answer us. He, we will, he will be with us in trouble. He will deliver us and honor us. So we are being delivered and honored out of all of this. It's all coming. And with long life, he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. We will live long, satisfied lives and then move to heaven when we are, when we have fulfilled our calls in this life. So let's look at the principles of fellowship. And this is where we started out last week, drawing near James chapter four, verse seven is where we're going to go. Talking about dwelling in the secret place of the most high. One of the statements that we made was, um, when you do have close fellowship with the Lord, you end up making radical statements that seem, uh, they seem arrogant to the world and even to some in the church. They probably actually seem crazy to the world. Um, but Jesus functioned at a, in fellowship with the Father and he did not, he was not moved by the fact that they thought he was crazy or that they thought he was a cult. Or that, you know, all these different things that he had to deal with. And even Paul, we know Paul uh, was called crazy. That he was told uh, by a king, uh, I think it was King Agrippa, that he he had lost his mind. You know, he had gone insane and he said, no, I haven't lost my mind. You know these things are true. And they are true. These These truths that we see in the scripture are true. So don't let those things move you. Um, but we talked about this drawing near and James four, seven says this, it says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Last part of verse eight says, cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double minded. So we see here that the Lord through, uh, by the Holy Spirit, through James, gives us in the scriptures an invitation to draw near to God. When he draws, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. That word draw nigh or draw near, it actually has to do with worship. And some of the background here that took place and why James was writing this is this. The believers in James' congregation had drawn away from the Lord through carnality. As a believer, when we get into carnality or carnal thinking, it ends up uh, creating a distancing effect between us and the Lord. And really, it's a distancing in consciousness, not in righteousness in the sense of you don't lose your righteousness because you have the, you're the righteousness of God in, excuse me, in Christ Jesus. So you don't lose uh, that righteousness, but you can lose your sense of intimacy. Uh, I know uh, many, I've talked to many believers, I've done it myself through the years, but there are times where you haven't been as diligent in fellowshipping with the Lord. And I'm not just talking about sitting down in a quiet time necessarily, but through your day, you get busy, you get, you know, you got a lot of things going on. Um, you know, you have stuff thrown on you in the middle of something where you're already busy, which is what happened to me yesterday. Um, <laughs> um, but you have these things going on, and if you're not careful... If I'm not careful, I can get into carnality instead of remaining spiritual. Just because I feel something doesn't mean I have to act on it or speak it. It doesn't mean I haven't. It means I don't have to. I can choose. And so uh, the believers had gotten into carnality in this uh, through this uh, the congregation that James was pastor over. And it says sin had overcome their lives and they had become hypocrites. The Greek word for draw nigh was used of the priests in the Old Testament who were fully qualified to enter into the presence of God. That's found in Leviticus 10.3 and then Leviticus 21.21 through 23. Um, and what they would do is those priests had to go through a certain ritual in order to go into the Holy of Holies. And part of that was, and we'll see this in here in just a minute, was actually washing their hands. 
Have we heard anything about washing hands in the current coronavirus issue? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Well, in the spirit, we can get dirty hands because we get too much into our carnal and we don't stay in the spirit. We're not, we're not putting to death the deeds of the body and releasing the spirit like we should be by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what, that's what James is dealing with here. And he says this. It says this, in a wider sense, a man's approach to God in worship, which can be seen in Isaiah 29, 13 and Hosea 12, 6. That's what draw nigh means. There's a wider meaning here. You're worshiping the Father. You know, sometimes the answer in the, in the stresses and things that you're facing in a day-to-day basis, if you find yourself overwhelmed, is to just start worshiping the Lord. Honestly, it just makes it that much easier because worship has a, you know, the scripture says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So if I was going to, and I could have Josh do it right now, but I'm not gonna, he could draw the camera way back or he can zoom it in so close. You could see my nose hairs, you know, one way or another, he could do that. But if that was the case, all of a sudden I would be what magnified. And so what you need to do is worship the Lord, draw near, magnify the Lord with me, exalt his holy name. So when you're making him bigger and you're exalting him, what are you shrinking in your thinking? That rhymes. That's good. Shrinking in your thinking. What, in other words, what are you, what is, what is getting smaller and what is getting bigger? The problem is getting smaller and God is getting bigger. You know, uh, sometimes people, they do this and, and I understand why they do it, but the, 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 the analogy is given or the, the description is given. How much bigger is God than our problem? And, and we talk about that and that's good. But a lot of times people don't put the second part of that in there, which is if you're going to see how much bigger he is, you got to take time to magnify him. You got to time to take time to exalt his name. Don't exalt fear. Don't exalt uh, the things that are contrary to the promise of God. You say don't exalt them. You're saying just ignore them. No, I'm saying you can acknowledge them. Just don't exalt them. We don't see in scripture where Paul said there is no disease. There is no disease. There is no disease. There is no disease. You know, sometimes people think that they're in faith when they, they think that they think they're practicing the scripture, call those things that be not as though they were, but they're not. They're calling those things that are as though they're not. And that's not the same thing. In other words, God didn't say there's no disease on the earth. God said by his stripes, you, Jesus stripes, you were healed. And so you need to magnify that, exalt that word and minimize cancer, minimize poverty, minimize uh, fear, minimize coronavirus, minimize those things and exalt the Lord, magnify the Lord. In other words, walk so close, you make radical statements. You make radical statements concerning the promises of God. And just, you know, it's going to freak some people out, but just realize you don't serve people. You, your people are not your God. God is your God. Amen. And so this being said, the thought of is of entering into communion with the Lord. This is the humble person to whom God will give grace. Great grace comes to those. So uh, go to James 4, 6, and I'll, I'll show you this. It's in the same chapter there that we're in. James 4, 6, right after Hebrews and right before Peter. James 4, 6 says this, But God, or He, God, gives grace, more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we can have grace and great grace when we're humble and we, and being humble, you know, sometimes people think, well, if I, if I'm humble, I'm just going to accept what's ever in front of me. No, that's the wrong definition of humility. That's actually carnality. Being humble is submitting to God. It's not submitting to your circumstance. So, uh, realize that. Submit to the Lord. Do what He says. Be humble before Him. The fact that God will draw nigh to this person is a type of the prodigal son after his return home. The decision to return was the son's, not the father's. 
Once the decision was made, the father gave him what? More grace and ran to meet him with what? Great rewards. Great rewards. I don't know about you, but I'm declaring this. I told Heidi this uh, uh, multiple times, but and we've talked about it over and over, and maybe I've said it to you too when I've talked to you, but um, I know in my heart that great things are coming for this church and for the body of Christ. I know it. I absolutely know it. And uh, because the Lord is faithful, and He's not a man that He should lie. And as long as we hold to Him, we'll be just fine. And so... Uh, once the decision was made by the prodigal son, the father gave him more grace and ran to meet him with great rewards. As the son drew nigh to the father, the father drew nigh to the son. Okay, so drawing near has to has to has to do with joining one thing to another. So draw near to the Lord. The Passion Translation in James four eight says, "Move your heart closer and closer to God, and He will come even closer to you." Glory to God. So He's coming closer and closer. The Aramaic translated translates it this way, and this is from the commentary in the Passion Translation on that verse. It says, "And He will be touching you." You know, sometimes people say, I just need a touch from God. I don't feel him. I just, I need a touch from God. Draw near to him and he will come and he will touch you. Okay, so just be aware of that and use your faith there. Just do it. Decide to do it and God will be faithful. Don't leave. Make sure you give yourself time, but don't leave that secret place until you feel him. If that's what you need. If that's where you're at, don't leave until you 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 do. You feel him. So, This is an invitation from God of dwelling with him in the secret place. He is saying to all of us that there is a deeper level of relationship available with him if we are willing to take time to draw close or to approach uh, uh, that with him, that relationship. This invitation is for sinner and saint alike. Once you're in, you can draw near any time. If you're away, the Lord is saying to you, he's reaching out his hand. He's actually declaring this through the church. He's not holding your sins against you. Come to him. Come to him. He will receive you. And people say, just the way I am, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Yes, but the Lord does. And the invitation still stands. So the Lord still, uh, in the midst of knowing where you're at, through Jesus, he has He has. He has stopped your sin from hindering you of to coming to him. The only way that you will not be saved is if you reject Jesus Christ. It's the only way. So if you're watching online right now and you've never made the Lord uh, Jesus your Savior, you've never received him into your heart, we'll give you an opportunity here at the end. But there's nothing stopping you but your uh, refusal to believe in Christ. It isn't the homosexuality. It isn't the sexual sins. It isn't uh, lying. It isn't hate. It isn't uh, anything that you've done uh, uh, in your past that's causing you not to be in relationship with the Lord. It's the lack of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. If you come to Him, He will cleanse you of those things. He will not condemn you for those things. And He will lead you in a path of victory over all addictions. Everything that the enemy has that steals, kills, and destroys. He will lead you through that uh, and give you the victory in Christ Jesus. So, our dwelling with Him in the secret place ends or sits dormant when we quit drawing near to Him. That's where it sits. If you're not going to draw near, then it, God, you know God's amazing because He's so merciful and patient. He's so much more patient than I've ever been. I know I have His patience within me, and I'm developing in that. But think about all the things the Lord is putting up with right now, all over the planet. He's not only dealing with uh, He's dealing with uh, uh, leaders of nations that kill His kids. He's dealing with He's dealing with our nation who kills babies. And makes it legal. And in certain states, they'll kill them even after they're born alive. And there's a botched abortion. I mean, the Lord is so patient. Um, I think I probably would have torched the planet by now. And it's a good thing it's not up to me or you. Because <laughs> it would have ended a, a long time ago. Um, but the Lord is so good and so gracious to us and merciful. And the reason why is he wants to receive the full harvest in the earth. He wants to receive the precious fruit of the earth. 
And so he's patient with these things. Praise God. So if you're away from the Lord, get back to him. So the invitation of drawing near does not appear to have limitations. In other words, the level at which we know and fellowship with him appears to be conditional to our desire rather than his. Okay? So think about that. The level, the level at which we know and fellowship with him appears to be conditional to our desire rather than his. The Lord has already proved that he will give everything. It's a matter of whether we'll respond or not. He expressed his desire in the passion of the Christ. Okay, we are back. Sorry about that. My mic went dead. Um, we did not quit, so if you could hang on for about 12 more minutes, we'll be done. <laughs> um, but the, the microphone went, went dead on me there. So um, what I was saying was is that we see from this passage, passage that if we draw near to God, we can count on the fact that he will draw near to us. So then we move to the second, uh, so then we move to the second half of this verse, which tells us part of the process of drawing near to God. In order to draw near to God, you are going to have to move away from something else. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The next command for the carnal believer Believers is to cleanse their hands. This is also a type of the Old Testament priests coming into the presence of God. They had to clean themselves before entering the Holy of Holies. This is found in Exodus 30, verse 19 through 21, and it's found in Leviticus 16:4. The type is carried into the New Testament describing the cleansing from the defilement of sins found in 2 Corinthians 7:1. So I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 7:1 and read that one. I was reading it this morning. It's a good verse. Paul tells the Corinthian church this. You know, people say, well, I'm born again. I'm not, uh, I'm not a sit, excuse me, a sinner anymore. That's true. You're not a sinner anymore. But the reality is, is that you can still sin as a believer. You can still yield to the flesh. And so you need to be aware of that and then work uh, towards yielding to the Holy Spirit within and, and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. So 2 Corinthians 7.1 says this, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Having reverence for the Lord is part of this drawing near. Reverence really has to do with worship as well. But worship is more than just singing a song, although that's a part of it and that's important. The, the Bible says in Romans 12:1 that we are what? To present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service of worship. So worship is, and drawing near to God has to do with giving our bodies over to Him and doing with our bodies what He asks. James calls believers sinners in this verse, indicating the relationship of carnal believers to unbelievers. So uh, Paul also says we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you say, how do you marry these two things? Well, I would do it this way, and this is the thought that the Lord brought to me. You know, where Paul talks about carnality, I think that's what James is referring to here. He's not saying you've lost your salvation. He's saying you're living like the sinners do. You look just like the world and you shouldn't. And that's a sign. And what he's writing to them is, look, you've, you've moved away from God. You know, sometimes people will do this. They'll, as a pastor, I've, I've dealt with this many times, but They'll do this, they'll come to church or, or, or see me or Heidi or somebody out and about, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this, that walk close to the Lord and have for years, but they'll see us out and about and they'll, uh, or they'll come to the church and man, I, I've been, I've been gone for so long, it just feels so good to be here at church. They're not saying they lost their salvation, but they've been busy doing so many things that the Lord didn't tell them to do. That they've, that feels like they're way away from God. And the reason why is because you have not kept your consciousness where you should. And maybe you have got over into the sins of the flesh and you need to repent over those things and get back into close fellowship with the Lord, which of course includes meeting together, which we can't do physically right now very well, but, um, but it will happen. We'll be meeting together again. So it's not, this isn't ending everything. It's just a, a, for a period of time. So you need to get into that fellowship. It will make a difference. So they are in essence, these people sinning Christians. They are also called double minded, making it clear that James is addressing believers. 
The same comparison is made in James 1.8, where the double-minded, the two-souled man, so if you think of double-minded, you think of two souls, is unstable in all his ways. Many in the congregation at Jerusalem thought they were spiritual when actually they were carnal and no better than unbelievers in their expression of their born-again experience. These congregational members were guilty of trying to serve two masters. In other words, they needed to what? Wash their hands. Okay? So I said, I told you earlier, we were going to touch on the wash your hands. So in the spirit, Believers need to wash their hands. How do they do that? Do I go to the sink? Do I grab some soap, you know, with a scripture verse tattooed on it or imprinted on it and I wash my hands and then I'm spiritual? No, no, no. It's a matter of making your flesh yield to your spirit rather than the true you, rather than yielding to the things of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. You crucify the flesh and you yield to the Holy Spirit, and you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how you stay out of double-mindedness. Let's, uh, I, I was going to talk about, and I'll probably hit it next week again, because I want to hit this today. But uh, I'm gonna, next week I'm going to talk about be still or make yourself still. There's a scripture that says, be still and know that you are God. I'm going to hit that next week. And then I'm going to, I was going to talk about keeping your mind on him, but I think I'm going to do that next week as well. And then, of course, um, uh, not, uh, uh, being, be anxious for nothing. Okay. Uh, that was another scripture that I was going to look at, but I'm going to skip those and let's go to James one. So just flip over a couple of pages, go to James one. Um, and we're going to go to verse, let's see, James chapter one. I think I had you in second Corinthians, but we'll go to James one. And uh, verse number two is where I want to start. This is something that the Lord had dealt with me about, and so I want to wrap up here today. This is something that the Lord had dealt with me about because I was praying about this. And uh, this was the prescription he gave me for this season. James 1 verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, or we talked about earlier, double-souled, unstable in all of his ways. So I, I saw this and I, and I was praying about this for the church and for what I would say today. And this is where I felt like I should land at the end. But if you are dealing with a high level of fear and anxiety, then turn off the news. <laughs> Just turn it off. You can't be double-minded in this. If your faith is not to the point where you can read that but yet remain trusting God or hear that and remain trusting God and be able to, uh, you're, you haven't developed to the point where you exercise your senses to discern both good and evil and you can submit to one and reject the other, then you need to turn it off. Stop feeding fear. Stop feeding it. Don't feed it. Whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you feed will get bigger. Don't magnify the fear. Magnify the Lord. Feeding fear is disobedience to where the Lord told us to set our mind. If you're going to live in fear, you're in disobedience. People say, well, I can't help it. That is a lie. You can help it. If you can't help it, God can't tell you to do it. He would be unjust, but he's telling you to do it. I heard this story years ago, and it really settled with me. There was a person that had came to another minister who was in an insane asylum, in and out. And they had... Uh, they they had very strong mental issues with their mind. And they just kept having to go in and out, in and out. And they came for ministry from this minister. And they said, and he started giving them scriptures on how to control their mind and what to think about. The Lord said, think on these things. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy. And just giving scriptures to this person, this person looked at him, and it's because they don't have faith, but they looked at him and they said, or they're not exercising their faith, I should say. They looked at him and said, I can't do that. And the Holy Spirit within this minister said, you're thinking about something already. In other words, 
What you're telling me is that your mind is a separate entity from you. The issue that you need to realize is, and hear me on this, the issue you need to realize is, is that you actually have developed your mind to think a certain way by yielding to things, whether ignorantly or intentionally. I don't know. It doesn't really matter which one it is because you're in the position you're in. You've got to retrain your brain. You've got to get into the word. You say, how do I do that? Shut off everything that puts fear into you and feed on the word 24-7. When you go to bed, play the word audio. When you wake up, play the word audio. Stop it. all the other things that you have going on and begin to absorb the word of God. And it will literally transform the way you think. It'll transform the way you operate, the way you think, the way you uh, uh, see things. And you'll wake up one day and realize fears start leaving you one by one. And they won't return if you remain in fellowship. You just have to make that decision. Don't commit yourself to uh, 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 the medical psych ward. Commit yourself to the word of God and he will change your thinking. He will change the way you operate. Stop yielding to the lie that if you are not worrying about something or someone, then you don't care. (laughs) I get so... uh, People almost get mad at me because I won't worry about their situation. And they, what they do, and it's in our culture, and it's ingrained in the church. If you're not worrying about somebody, you're not caring. Actually, if you're worrying with somebody, you are hurting them. Your faith is not operating. You are not in faith at all. And a lot of times, and and I know we need to use practical wisdom and be led by the Spirit, but a lot of times what people call wisdom is nothing more than fear. And they are functioning in it. They're so afraid they have to, you know, basically get under a, a a sanitizing shower every day when they go out or go anywhere. You've got to be kidding me. You are not going to be... Do you know how many germs are just in your body alone? It is the Lord who preserves us. We must use our faith. We must stand strong. And people say, well, you say that, but... you know, And they'll blame others for them not getting free. But I'm telling you what the Lord has said. And if you want to get free, you have to do what He says. So, stop worrying. God's care has nothing to do with worry. God's care has nothing to do with worry at all. No situation or per, or person has ever been helped by worrying. None. None. Don't fear. Don't worry. And people say, well, what are you saying I have to do? Count it all joy? No, I'm not saying that. God is. <laughs> you know, I do this sometimes. I think to myself, uh, I'll talk to somebody, you know, and they'll say, they'll say, well, I don't believe that God heals today. Or they'll, they'll, you know, they'll get after, you know, uh, a minister or a ministry like maybe ours or, and they'll say, well, I don't believe God does miracles today. I don't believe God does this or that today. So how are you sectioning that word out? Because you believe he saved you on a word. So why wouldn't he do anything else based on that word? So you're telling me you believe that you're going to go to heaven when you die because you've received Jesus, but you're telling me that James is not the word of God for now, that I shouldn't count it all joy. No, you need to, Resist how you feel and count it all joy. Job in 5.22 it says, it says that destruction and famine you shall laugh. See, this is so contrary to the way most of the church thinks and most of the, of course, the whole world thinks. But we should not expect the world to think the way we do. We shouldn't even be surprised that they're afraid. You know, if you see people going out and you see them, you know, in a hazmat suit because of the coronavirus and they're not saved, big deal. It doesn't matter. They're not saved. But us as believers are called to come up to higher and higher levels. And you say, well, I'm not ready to do this yet. Well, then don't reject the word of God. Begin to feed on it. Begin to to, to follow and, and see what the Lord says and say, Lord, I will that you will work in me with your will and change me and transform the way I think. Don't shut your faith off. And don't shut out the preaching of the Word of God. 
Don't separate yourself and allow fear to separate you from the the ministers in your life, from your pastors, from your uh, fellow believers who are stronger in areas than you are. Allow those things to be a healthy challenge to bring you up higher in your faith. Realize, look at those that are walking in fearlessness and go, hey, if they can do it and God's no respecter of persons and he does it for them, I can have that too. And as you do that, you will develop and grow strong. And then you become an answer instead of always needing help from somebody else. You become the help to somebody else, and it's powerful. So count it all joy. Count it joy. Boy, that seems strange. And even when when James wrote this, it was written to scattered believers. Isn't that interesting? It was written, if you look at the history of it, um... It says to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. It means dispersed as seed. It means they were thrown everywhere uh, in a pers- time of persecution. What did, what did James say? Cry. Feel sorry for yourself. He said, count it joy. Why can you count it joy? Because it's not a joy of circumstance. It's a joy of the spirit. So right now I'm going to offer an altar call here in a minute. But let's just declare this and we'll wrap up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for joy in our houses. We count it joy. Lord, we have the, the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit joy within us. Lord, lead every, every, uh, couple right now with their kids, Father. Lord, stir within them great joy. Lord, lead them in how to conduct each day, how to be together, how to uh, 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 handle their finances, their situations, all these things. Lord, we resist fear and agreement with them in the name of Jesus. We are growing. We are developing. We are going to do what James 1 says. We are going to let patience have its perfect work so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We're not coming out of and through this situation in a worse place. We're coming out in a greater place spiritually, a stronger, a higher level of faith and understanding, expecting and and being able to walk through even greater Places of trial and watch and see greater victories by your mighty right hand. Lord, I just pray that your joy would saturate every home by the Holy Spirit right now, wherever they are. Holy Spirit, that you would fall on them, minister to them, give them words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Lord, work in their bodies. Work. If there are any that are watching today that have... Um, I don't know if there are or not, but have coronavirus or any sort of sickness at all. Minister life to them right now. I speak it over them in the name of Jesus. Lord, we send the word, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. But most of all, be at peace. Be at peace. Those of you that are that are dealing with fear and, and dealing, maybe you've yielded to it and it just seems like it's a part of your life and it seems impossible to uh, that you'll ever get out of it. I just encourage you. I'm not condemning you. I'm encouraging you. I'm kind of uh, trying to motivate you like a like a motivational speaker would do. Get up. Fight back. Don't roll over. Believe God. Don't yield to the fear. The spirit of faith within you. You're born again. Yield to that spirit of faith within you. And let the lion of the tribe of Judah that is within you rise up and begin to speak out over these situations. Coronavirus, you are dead. Fear, you are dead. You've been brought to naught. Jesus hung on the cross and was raised from the dead and by his wounds we were healed. And by his resurrection we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. You will see a victory. You know our songs are not just songs to just sing. They're declarations of faith. And we will see what is already established in the Spirit. We're not trying to get God to do it in the Spirit. We're just standing strong until we see full manifestation in the natural. So I thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus that you're moving. Now, if you're watching online and you're not born again, I just want to give you that opportunity. There's a few scriptures that I just want to read real quick. It says this, that the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Right now where you are, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Romans 3.10 says this, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this is what I want to do with you right now. Realize, if you've never received the Lord, just bow your heads and, and, and close your eyes where you're at and repeat this prayer after me. I don't care if you're a young person. I don't care if you're an older person. Wherever you're at on the spectrum, you don't know for sure that you've received Christ. And you want to know that you know. This is the opportunity. Let faith come from your heart. You can pray this prayer in faith one time. And you'll never have to pray it again. You'll be born again. First of all, realize every person without Christ is a sinner. And that God is not holding that against you. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Lord says, look, I'm giving you an acceptable time right now. I'm extending grace to you. So if you want to receive Jesus, just pray this prayer after me. Just say, Father God, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I am a sinner without you. But I don't want to remain this way. I want to be your child. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came to earth. That he died for me. And that he was crucified for my sins. That he was buried and went to hell for me. And that he was raised on the third day. So that I could have justification. Or be in right relationship with you father. I receive Jesus Christ. As my Lord and Savior right now. I believe that Jesus blood cleanses me of every sin and that the Holy Spirit makes my heart, my spirit brand new. I am now in the kingdom of God. I am now a child of God and no longer a child of Satan. I will serve Jesus all the days of my life and be a follower of his in zeal and love for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer, please message message us on Facebook or you can go to uh, faithfamilybillings.com and message us. Let us know. We have a New Believers Bible class that we're going to start back up as soon as we're able to do that. Um, And we would love to be able to get material into your hands, either send it out or have you get it once we're able to meet again as a group and begin to disciple you in your relationship with the Lord. Well, God bless you guys. I say I went 10 minutes over, so I'm about par for the course in real life (laughs) as far as being in the service. But um, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have this posted later this week. Um, For those of you that don't have Facebook, it'll be on YouTube, and we'll email it out with Flocknote. Um, Also, uh, if we're still on the live stream, Josh, if you could put on there again how they can connect with us via Flocknote. Um, If you're not connected with us, you can get in on our texts and our email messages, which would be great. That helps us help you stay informed as well um, about all the different things that we have going on. And then, of course, the current situations. So God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday. And we will see you Wednesday night. God bless. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 